We've got a big Christmas Eve showdown on tap at Arrowhead Stadium coming up tomorrow. The Seahawks looking to get back in the win column against the heavily favored Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. What do the Seahawks need to do to get that eighth win and stay in the playoff race? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down in our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good morning to all the 12s out there. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Glad to be joined on our Blue Friday episode by my co-host Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there during this holiday season for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Jam-packed Blue Friday episode coming your way with a Christmas Eve matchup. Seahawks Chiefs coming up tomorrow. We're going to be devising a game plan for a Seahawks victory at Arrowhead Stadium dishing out our weekly X-Factors, game predictions, and much more. So let's get to it. This Blue Friday podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and available to people worldwide. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Generally, the Seahawks have been pretty healthy most of this season, but heading into Saturday's Christmas Eve matchup against the AFC West champion Kansas City Chiefs, they're looking pretty banged up, particularly on the defensive side of the football. Some not-so-fortunate news going into this game against the number one scoring offense with safety Ryan Neal and defensive tackle Al Woods both being ruled out in Thursday's final injury report. Neal's dealing with a knee injury that he played through last week against the 49ers, couldn't make it back this week, and Al Woods still has a sore Achilles. That could be an Achilles for this Seahawks defense going into this game because even though Kansas City is mostly a passing team, they have been able to run the football fairly well this year as well. This is just a well-rounded offensive attack. Yeah, the one that really kills me is Ryan Neal. Um, just, he's had a fantastic, albeit Pro Bowl kind of type season, and it just with – He's allowing pro, per Pro Football Reference less than seventy pass less than seventy passer rating in, in pass coverage, and then when you talk about a guy, I'm, I'm sure we'll dive into this, and you've do, you've dove into it a lot with Rob this week. Um, you know, ever heard of Travis Kelsey? <laughs> the the Seahawks sure could have used you know Ryan Neal in that attack against Travis Kelsey in that pass game because um, Travis Kelsey is obviously one of the goats of, at tight end. So Ryan Neal for me is the one that really really hurts. Um, obviously, all three, you could argue, are, are pretty significant with Al Woods. You know, the Seahawks already have a hard time stopping the run, and he's he, he's a pretty big guy. He's got his own climate there in the middle um, and, in a good way. And uh, don't hurt me, please. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, and the Chiefs, yeah, you have Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. They have, they have quite the, the bevy of, of a running attack as well as, as a passing attack, and especially in this kind of game, Corbin, where maybe – you know, with with the frigid conditions that you've kind of talked about a lot this week and the wind, it's kind of like that gif of, of Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang. They're just throwing all the papers in the air like that's kind of the game plan in this game. Like, yeah, it's all great, you know, with the high flying attack. But I think both teams are kind of kind of buckled down and try to run the ball. And and uh, and Al Woods is going to would, would have been a really big part of, of the advantage for the Seahawks there. 
And obviously, we'd be remiss not to mention Tyler Lockett, but that's been known all week with him undergoing hand surgery on Monday that he was not going to be available for this game. They're still holding out hope that he's going to make a miraculous recovery and be available to play against the Jets next, next weekend. But that game may not have near as high of stakes for either team if the Seahawks can't find a way to win this one. If there's a silver lining here, obviously, as you mentioned, Ryan Neal being out for this particular game with Travis Kelsey. I don't know that Ryan Neal can slow down Travis Kelsey anyway, but you're going to have an even tougher time with your third and fourth string safeties at the strong safety position. Now, Jonathan Abram has played against Kelsey a lot during his time with the Raiders, so maybe that gives him a little bit of an advantage, but he has not been known for his coverage skills. And Tease Tabor has had a very up-and-down NFL career, and he bounced around on the waiver wire. So that's not exactly the ideal matchup there with two guys that have been waived multiple times, have been with multiple teams. Those are your solutions to trying to deal with Travis Kelsey, who leads the NFL with 12 receiving touchdowns. But I guess the silver lining here, the four players that are listed as questionable, headlined by Ken Walker the third. He is expected to play, even though he didn't practice at all this week. He's still nursing an ankle injury. I think at this point, they are in self-preservation mode with him. Let's just get him to game day. He's a great athlete. He's a phenomenal football player. He's going to be ready to go on game day. He doesn't need the practice reps this late in the season, especially as a rookie. If he is able to do that, he can go out there and be close to 100%, give them a boost in the run game. That's going to go a long ways towards winning this game. And DJ Dallas has a good chance to play in this game as well. So, that's the good news. All those offensive players that are listed as questionable, Noah Fan and Marquise Goodwin as well. Pete Carroll's made it clear they are all expected to play. So they're going to have all hands on deck away from Tyler Lockett. No pun intended there. Uh, but they're going to have all their skill players away from Lockett, which is a big deal in this game because they're going to have to score even in the elements to be able to pull off a road upset. Yeah, I mean, they they got to they gotta figure out a way. And um, you talked a lot this week about DK Metcalf having an advantage with some of the undersized secondary. And I think that's, that's one thing you might have to force feed in order to, to win this ball game. Yeah. I, th I think it's all fun and, and, and good that the Seahawks are going to try to run the ball. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think to truly pull off the upset, which it would be in my opinion, a pretty significant upset if the Seahawks were to go into KC and win on Christmas Eve and in, in frigid conditions against a really, really good, maybe top five NFL team or top three NFL team in the chiefs. Um, they're going to have to to go vertical, and they're going to have to. DK Metcalf's going to have to have a couple big plays, um, so cause especially to make up for the absence of Tyler Lockett. So those three are are, are pretty. Those three injuries, and you know Ryan Neal, Al Woods, and Tyler Lockett are pretty significant in their in their own right. But yeah, we've we've known about Tyler Lockett all week, and that I think the see I feel good that the Seahawks have been able to prepare themselves offensively, scheme wise, without Tyler Lockett, and hopefully it's enough. Yeah, they've known since that 49ers game that he was not going to be playing in this game. And having that mini-buy, it does give your coaching staff a little bit more of a chance to be able to watch the Chiefs. And they looked very human against the Houston Texans last week. The one win Texans had several opportunities to win that game, and they weren't able to quite do it. The Chiefs being the championship caliber team they are, they found a way in the end, even on a day where they weren't playing at their very best, to win the game. But certainly – for the Seahawks not playing last weekend, they had a chance to scout during the game and watch how the Chiefs played. And so maybe gives them some ideas on how they can attack this Chiefs defense, what they can do defensively against the number one scoring offense to try to hold Patrick Mahomes and company down. 
that is a little bit of an advantage. We'll see if they'll be able to put that extra prep time into practice tomorrow when they face off against the Chiefs. Speaking of game planning, I think it's time for us to dish out our weekly game plan. We're going to get to our keys to victory on offense and defense coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and soon in Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eyes on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you, and every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch the boring rental car and find your drive at Turo.com. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember... Drive high, get a DUI, paid for by NHTSA. You're listening to Blue Friday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick, we've got this massive matchup, Week 16, Christmas Eve, Arrowhead Stadium, sub-zero temperatures, maybe some snow. The Seahawks desperately need a win to stay in the playoff hunt losing four of their last five. The Chiefs already have the AFC West locked up, but they've still got plenty to play for. They're only a game and a half out of the number one seed in the AFC with three weeks to go, so they could still get that bye week in the AFC if the Bills fall there and they're able to win out. So there's a lot riding on this game for both teams, especially for Seattle being the one that still hasn't clinched a playoff spot, and they're just dangling onto playoff chances by a thread here. What do the Seahawks need to do? Obviously, they are outmanned. This is a superior football team in the Chiefs. What do they need to do to go on the road in one of the most hostile environments in football in frigid temperatures on top of that and get the upset? Well, like what you've been talking about all week with the conditions, um, the conditions do favor the run game. And I think in this kind of situation, the Seahawks need to establish the run or die trying or get frostbite trying or hypothermia trying or whatever it is <laughs> this week, because um, with how the, the, you know, the, the conditions themselves and just how this game goes with, you, you need to, for the for several reasons, you need to have your run game in tip top shape. You need to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, freezing in, in a big jacket and, and on the sidelines and not in the game. You need to establish rhythm on offense and win that time of possession and, and keep your offense on schedule. 
and uh, shorten the game. Really, I think is 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 one. If this is one of those classic, you know, shorten the game, muck it up, you know, kill the clock, and kind of see what happens in the fourth quarter kind of games. And the the Chiefs are dead last, thirty second in the league in run stop win rate. So they they can be run on. And the problem is the Seahawks lately have have really struggled to establish the run. They are actually twenty fourth in run block win rate. Um, they are uh, pretty. They're they're the Seahawks are eleventh in yards per carry, um, and the Chiefs' defense is thirteenth in yards per carry allowed. So there is an opportunity there to run the ball. And it's just a matter of you know with with the conditions and how poorly the Seahawks have been running the ball really since before Thanksgiving. That that's the big question mark. Yeah, and the Chiefs' stats are misleading to an extent because just like any other team that's got an elite quarterback that slings the ball over the place and scores a lot of points, opponents get put in positions where they have to throw the ball a lot to try to stay in games with the Chiefs. And so right now, they're in the bottom five for rushing yards allowed in the NFL, but they're giving up 4.3 yards per carry. And as you mentioned, they're dead last in uh, run stop win rate and so this is a team that you can run the football on in Seattle there were some flashes against the 49ers a much better defense defending the run of the Chiefs there were some flashes in that game but I've been saying this all week and I'm going to echo it once again Shane Waldron get under center please for the love of God get under center more than two runs under center like I'd like to see eight to ten at least get that under center run game and play action game going some, and that can help you, especially in the elements going against this really talented pass rush the Chiefs have. That's how you get this run game going. And not that that's necessarily going to change the blocking. The offensive linemen need to get the job done, whether it's shotgun or under center. But I think it certainly helps the running backs. I think it sets up the play action better. And it makes life more complicated for the defense because when you're running out of pistol or under center, you don't know what direction the running back's going to go. In shotgun, 99% of the time, if the running back's to the right, they're going to be running either up the gut or to the left. It really simplifies things for the defense in terms of their reads. So I've been saying this all week, get under center. That is something that was so successful for this team, especially with two and three tight end sets, and they've gotten away from it. I don't know why they need to get back to that, especially without Tyler Lockett being available in this game. Get back to that ground game, and if it doesn't work early, stick with it. Second big thing against this Chiefs defense, and this defense is okay. They're not great. They're certainly vulnerable in some areas. I think you can run the ball on them, but if there's truly an Achilles heel for this defense, it is the middle of the field in pass coverage, and Davis Mills, of all quarterbacks, exposed them some last week. Mills went three for four for 35 yards with two passing touchdowns on 10 to 19 yard intermediate passes in the middle of the field last week. Three weeks ago, Joe Burrow went 13 for 13 when he targeted the middle of Chiefs. In between Wilson, so we know what his allergy is to the middle of the field. We'll exclude him from this. But every other quarterback lately has been able to take advantage in the middle of that defense. And Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr., the two main linebackers for Kansas City, they are both allowing completion rates and coverage of 96% or higher. Now, Bolton does have a couple of interceptions, so he's made a few plays in coverage. But generally, this team has been allergic to stopping passing games in the middle of the field. So you look at what Geno Smith's been great at this year. That's been his bread and butter. He should be able to take advantage of this immediately with the tight end Seattle has, with Derek Young, Marquise Goodwin, uh, the running backs to the middle of the field. You can run some Texas routes. Take advantage of those linebackers in coverage. I think that is an area that could be a huge advantage for the Seahawks because just like their run defense, 
the middle of the defense for passing, that has been the big weakness for the Chiefs, regardless of the opponent they're playing. It's what they say on the Scott Van Pelt show. The tight end's always open. <laughs> and I think in this case, the tight end over the middle might be always open. We'll see. Uh, yeah, Willie Gay offer, uh, is offer, is allowing 95.5 passer rating in the, uh, this year in, the, in pass coverage. So there is something to be said about that. This is not, uh, yeah, this is not the 85 Bears by any stretch of the imagination on defense. This this team can be run and, 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 and passed and scored on. It's just a matter of, you know, keeping up with 15 on the other sideline has been really the, the problem for most teams playing the Chiefs. And then lastly, that's kind of goes into my third and our, our third point here is the red zone. The red zone is, is going to be absolutely key in this game. The Chiefs are actually 31st in the NFL in red zone defense. That means allowing touchdowns when uh, when allowing a red zone trip. So the, the, they really have been very generous as a defense in allowing offenses to march into the if once they get. Once they uh, finally get to the 20-yard line, they reward them by allowing most of them to, to turn into touchdowns, at least at, at a second-to-last rate in the NFL. So on the flip side, the Seahawks haven't been the greatest in the red zone. They are 21st. There have been some improvements. They used to be closer to dead last. Um, but they, especially in a game where the conditions aren't in your favor, the crowd's certainly not in your favor, the talent gap is not in your favor, you got to cash in in the red zone. You cannot turn you know, first and goal on the nine into a field goal attempt. You can't, you can't turn a 70 yard drive into three points. You've got to cash in. Um, I understand even if you get to fringe range where it's like the 35 yard line and you stall out, get the three points. But if you get inside the 15 or 20, you got to score. This has to be one of those games. And you can say this about any football game, but when you're playing a team that has the offensive firepower that the Kansas city chiefs do, you have to find ways to turn three into six, not the other way around. You can't get inside the 20 and then walk away with three or zero points. If you do that more than one time and you find several occasions where you get into the 20s at down to the opposing 20 and you can't punch it in, you don't deserve to win and you're not going to win against Patrick Mahomes. So I 100% agree with you. This game especially the red zone when they get there. The Chiefs will let you get there. This is not a juggernaut defense. They will let you move up and down the field, and they have been quite charitable in the red zone. When you get inside the opposing 20, you have got to cash in. Otherwise, you don't have a fighting chance to win this football game. I would tend to agree with you. Now, you mentioned third downs for the Seahawks offensively. I think on defense, it's really been a theme all season. Really, when they, when they had that four-game winning streak earlier this year, that was really the biggest difference. Their third-down defense was dramatically better. I thought they took a huge step forward against the 49ers last Thursday night, forcing a bunch of punts. They, they really played well defensively, aside from a couple of coverage busts. This really was a much better defensive effort. Can you carry that over into this game against a high-powered Chiefs team? Because I think the key with Kansas City – can you find a way to get a couple of quick stops? or And by quick, I mean, can you hold them to one or two first downs? Because this is a juggernaut on offense. You want to limit Patrick Mahomes' chances to make magic. How do you do that? As you mentioned earlier, you keep him in a jacket getting cold on the sideline by getting third down stops. That is going to be much easier said than done, though, because Kansas City ranks first in the NFL in third down conversion rate. Not surprising with the magician that they've got at the wheel there, running the show for him, and Andy Reid being the play caller. I know that Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator, but Andy Reid still has his imprint of this offense. Regardless, 
This is a well-oiled machine. Getting off the field is going to be very challenging, but they have to find ways to get some third down stops and limit the play count there so that Mahomes doesn't have chances to burn you with his improvisation, improvisation and creativity skills as a passer and a runner. Yeah, I mean, to make a Lord of the Rings reference, you know, that they have the the, the Urukai armor is very mighty, but there is, you know, it, once they show that you know, flesh under the neck or under the arm, you got to strike because that's that's the weak part of the armor. And, and if the if the Chiefs somehow do get into a third and eight, third and nine situation, you got to strike it. You got to you got to hit it. You, you can't let them, you know, get away with converting those long drives or those long third downs because that is when, yeah, the Chef Mahomes starts cooking. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, that's you know, he's got Andy Reid will get the Waffle House menu out and he'll start. He'll start cooking up plays, and that that's that's <laughs> trouble. That's big time trouble. I love Andy Reid, big big Andy Reid fan. Um, and uh, it, that's if they show you know a little bit of flesh under the armor with third downs, you got to strike the jugular there. And also another thing, if if they show themselves um, on, on an open field and tackles, you got to bring them down. The the Chiefs are very very good at uh, creating yards after the cat or yards after carry yards after the catch. Isaiah Pacheco. And Travis Kelsey especially is is not only first among tight ends, he's first among, I believe, receivers and tight ends as far as uh, pro football focus in yards after catch. So, or at least yards after contact. I can't remember which one exactly. But um, in, in, either, in either way, Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, are really, really good at creating yards after catch. And the Seahawks are prone, have been prone to missing some tackles. This is a game where you can't really afford to miss some tackles against a Hall of Fame tight end, a Hall of Fame quarterback, because then they're going to make you pay. So, you got to have all your, your T's crossed, your I's dotted as far as tackling and just keeping everything in front of you. When you play an offense that Andy Reid coaches with his ability to create matchups and create separation for players, you've got to be able to get ball carriers down quickly. And that is your receivers, it's your running backs, and especially your tight ends in this offense with Kelsey. And uh, it sounds like Blake Bell's got a chance to be back this week as well. So, I mean, they've got so many different weapons that can create after the catch. And you've got a mad scientist on the sideline, much like Kyle Shanahan does for the 49ers, that finds ways schematically to get guys open and find matchups that are advantageous for the Chiefs. You have to tackle well, because if you don't, those quick little dump-offs can turn into 20, 30-yard plays or 50-yard touchdowns. And then Patrick Mahomes... Once you let him get rolling, this offense is extremely difficult to stop. So I agree with you. I think the biggest key to this game defensively for Seattle, though, it is the tackle positions. It's off the edge. Can you take advantage of two tackles for the Chiefs that, quite frankly, are not getting favorable reviews from fans? Fans have been displeased with the play of Orlando Brown Jr. with the money that he's getting paid. He's allowed more than 40 pressures this year. Andrew Wiley, their other tackle, has given up more than 40 pressures this year. And that was something I noticed that the Texans were able to do really well last week. They were able to get some pressure in timely situations on Patrick Mahomes. And the Texans don't blitz very much, but they sent a few well-timed blitzes, and they were able to take advantage of those tackles to get after Patrick Mahomes and get off the field. They created a turnover doing that as well. And so I don't expect Seattle's going to come out and blitz a lot, but I think you've got to find ways – to mix in some twists and stunts off the edge. Players like Uchenna Nuosu, Boy Mafe, Bruce Irvin, Daryl Taylor, you've got to find a way to take advantage because these tackles have been vulnerable. They have given up pressures consistently all year, and Wiley's given up seven sacks this season. 
Brown, I believe, has given up three or four. So he hasn't been as bad in that regard. But Wiley's given up a lot of pressures. He's given up a lot of sacks. That is where you can win this football game on defense. The edge rush has been so inconsistent for the Seahawks, though. And when you're playing in cold conditions, sometimes that naturally slows down your pass rush. The Seahawks have to hope that that doesn't happen for them and they can turn up the heat of Mahomes. Because if he's able to sit back there and pick you apart or he's able to move around because there's not a pass rush, you have absolutely no chance of winning. He is going to torch you all afternoon. Yeah, right tackle Andrew Wiley, I believe, is tied for second in the NFL in per pro football focus and pressures allowed. The guy is tied with the left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. So um, you'd you think that there's there's some opportunities there for the Seahawks. Another another way that you know they're showing a bit of the weakness under the armor that is the fierce armor of that offense, you know, the tackles. And the Seahawks absolutely have to take advantage. And we'll go into a bit of the game plan of how to beat them. And I, I'm gonna that, that's kind of where I'm going with this because. Yeah, if if they have any weakness there, yeah, it's on the edges. And the Seahawks haven't really been able to take advantage of that a ton this season, at least as much as they should. I think Daryl Taylor's really underwhelmed in a lot of ways. But uh, Chen Nuosu, like you mentioned, I think this is going to be a crucial, crucial game for him. You know, kind of a homecoming in a little bit. You know, he played the division as well. Um, so I, I think this is a game where you got to have your edge rushers on on point and you got to take advantage of a weak exterior because the interior for the Chiefs is actually very solid, maybe one of the better in the NFL with uh, Creed Humphrey as a center. I'm still bitter that the Seahawks didn't take him, but that's, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. And then of the two guards, that uh, Joe Thune, I think, is one of the better pass-blocking pass guards in, in football. So you got to take advantage of the of the uh, the exterior on the edges. Yeah, and their other guard, Trey Smith's a pretty darn good player too. I mean, that in entire interior line is very, very good. The tackles have certainly been vulnerable, though. That is an area that I think the Seahawks can capitalize on. The question is, Will they? Because it's been very hit and miss from that position group away from Nuosu for most of the 2022 season. It's time to get to our X factors, what the Seahawks absolutely must do to win this game tomorrow at Arrowhead Stadium. And last but not least, our game predictions. We'll have all that coming up in the third segment of our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball in the World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joined for today's episode by my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. All right, Nick, we've got this monster Christmas Eve matchup coming up tomorrow at Arrowhead Stadium. The Seahawks badly need a win after losing four of their last five Really, they need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. This would not eliminate them necessarily, but it would make it much, much tougher to get in the postseason if they fall to seven and eight. So let's talk X factors here. Who is the player on Seattle's roster, whether it's on offense or defense, that you're looking at and thinking, this is an under-the-radar player that absolutely can have a major impact in this game or needs to have a major impact for Seattle to have a chance to win? I'm going to go in a bit of an uncommon route. I'm going to go the, along the offensive line. And Damian Lewis, the guard, um, I think he needs to have a pretty big game. There's a guy on the other side of things called Chris Jones, and he's a pretty darn good football player, four-time Pro Bowler. I think he, he, he probably they probably left a little uh, uh, two or three Pro Bowls on on the field there for him. I think he he deserves a lot more than that. But he, he's just a fan, fantastic, fantastic 
interior lineman. I think I think I heard you this week say he's probably the best defensive tackle not named Aaron Donald. And I, I would agree yep, with that's that. my that I believe yep. that 110 percent. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Damian Lewis is going to have his work cut out for him, especially in the pass block. Damian Lewis is coming off of one of his worst pass blocking grade games against the 49ers. He's also coming off one of his better run blocking games. And I think that's going to be really where they need to spearhead this is in the run blocking game. And Chris Jones isn't a premier run stopper as he is a pass rusher. And if they can get him a bit on the heels and, and, and kind of move the, the trenches forward a bit and, and run the run the ball, I think that's where they can really have an advantage. But yeah, Damian Lewis, especially versus Chris Jones, it's not always going to be that specific matchup. Lewis is going to have other responsibilities too, but he needs to have a big game because he's going to go up against one of the better D tackles in all of football in the last you know 20 years or so. And he needs to hold his own in order for the Seahawks to have a chance to give Geno Smith time to cook, give Kenneth Walker uh, the third try, uh, you know, holes to run through. Um, that's going to be a key matchup in this in the in the whole scheme of the offensive line versus their defensive line. Damian Lewis versus Chris Jones, but especially Damian Lewis just in general. Yeah, I'm going to go with one of the players that's going to be filling a huge void due to the injuries that the Seahawks are dealing with, and it's got to be on offense. Uh, you know, I thought about a few defensive players, but I just feel like when you're playing the Chiefs, you know you're going to have to score points. I don't care if it's negative six outside. Patrick Mahomes is used to playing in the cold. They're going to find ways to score points. Your offense is going to have to be able to put points on the board. So somebody is going to have to step up with Tyler Lockett being out. And I've mentioned this kid's name a few times early in the year, thinking that there was going to be a game where he was going to get a few catches, and it hasn't happened at this point. But now with Tyler Lockett being out and the fact that this kid's been getting more opportunities, I think that this is Derek Young's time to shine for the Seahawks. And we talked about it earlier, the Chiefs' issues in the middle of the field defending intermediate passes. I feel like Derek Young with his skill set, his size, being 6'3", 220, 225 pounds, and the speed that he brings to the table, former running back, this is a player that you would love to get some touches in the middle of the field and let him go to work because this is not an easy guy to tackle with that running running back background and his size. They haven't gotten to really as a guy NFL game run block, really nice blocks in the run game as of late but you want to see him get the football in his hands some. And I think this is a game against this opponent where you can scheme up some th easy throws for Geno Smith to get the ball to Derek Young and let him try to create some after the catch with his athleticism, his speed, and his physicality. I just have a feeling that this is finally going to be the game. I've said it a couple times, and the opportunities just haven't been there with the other receivers Seattle has. But without Tyler Lockett, I think this is a prime game for the seventh rounder to have his coming out party. And maybe that only means a couple of catches for 25 or 30 yards, but I could see him getting a touchdown in this game too because of his size. He can factor in the red zone. We saw it some in the preseason. So I think this is a player, number 83 here, Derek Young. It's been coming for several weeks now, and now the, the snaps are going to be there for him. I expect Geno Smith is going to go to him, especially after he nearly made a fantastic catch last week against the 49ers. I think that's only going to increase that confidence for Geno Smith. That's a player that I think he will lean on with some of those snaps that would have gone towards Tyler Lockett in the passing game. Now, as far as what the Seahawks need to do to win this game, we've talked game plan. We've looked at some keys to victory, but what is one thing on offense and one thing on defense that you feel like the Seahawks absolutely have to do to have any chance to go to Arrowhead and pull off this upset? Well, normally I think that in today's football, time of possession is a bit overrated. Um, but in this game specifically, I think it's not. 
I think the Seahawks need to win the turnover, or excuse me, the, the time of possession battle. Um, and th that, that kind of goes with the offense and defense. First on the offense, you need to establish the run. You need to stay on schedule. You need to get first downs, convert those third downs, get deep into to Chiefs territory, keep you know uh, Mahomes and them on, on the sidelines. And, yeah, Jack getting cold and sitting on a, a heated bench instead of being on the field cooking. And that, that's just going to only give your offense more confidence. You can shorten the game. You maybe take a possession or two away on the back end from the Chiefs, which is a really, you know, good, 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 uh, good strategy. And you also, on the flip side, on defense, got to make those stops. You got, you can't allow those those sustained drives for the Chiefs. So really, um, looking at it, the Chiefs are eight and zero when they win the time of possession battle this year. Uh, right? They're three and three when they don't. So I think it's a pretty significant difference. They're undefeated when they win the turnover battle. And all three of their losses have come when they didn't win the when the time of possession battle. Excuse me. And on the flip side as well, on defense, they got to sack Mahomes at least four times. I think they really got to get that high of a number. <clears throat> the Seahawks are actually four and zero this year when they reach the four sack mark. And against such a prolific, I don't know, genius offense, really high powered offense, they have to harass Patrick Mahomes as yeah. much as possible. So when time when time of possession, keep him on the sidelines, and when he's on the field, sack him at least four times. Yeah, you and I are thinking on the same tangent on offense. And I'm not even looking at time of possession because this is going to lend itself to time of possession. How many times recently has Pete Carroll lamented the fact that they have not stuck with the ground game and they haven't been able to get more than 12, 14, 15 carries? I think that that is a critical number. And again, I've talked about this a lot on this show. I'm not. I'm no longer an advocate for let's get to 35 carries, and that means we're going to win the football game. But obviously, there's a lot of other reasons why that happens. But in this particular game, I think you got to get 25 plus carries in the run game because that signals two things: one, it means you've had some success on the ground, and two, it means you've had sustained drives and you are eating up time of possession. Going with what you said, I think you've got to be able to run the football, particularly with it being cold potentially windy there could be snow as well you need to be able to lean on that ground game and even if it doesn't work early you've got to stick with it and then on defense we talk so much about creating turnovers and obviously that is a critical aspect of winning football games the Seahawks have not been as good at that in the last five or six games that the turnovers have dried up for them but they've got to find a way on the road here. Patrick Mahomes has been willing to give the football up. The Chiefs have actually had at least one turnover in nine consecutive games. The Seahawks are the only team in the league that's had at least one turnover in offense every single game. So they've been even worse about it. But the Chiefs have been very charitable. They have given up the football quite frequently. If the Seahawks can get at least one turnover in plus territory, in Kansas City territory, like Quandre Diggs had a chance to do last week against the 49ers and couldn't reel that interception in. You get another chance like that, you've got to make that play because you get short field for your offense. Again, this is not an overly dominant Chiefs defense. The front line is very good, and they've got a few decent secondary players as well, but they give up a lot of points, and they give up a lot of yards. You get short field, especially with their weak red zone defense, gives you a great chance to go get six points. So I think they need to create at least one turnover in – plus territory to have a chance to pull off the stunner here and beat the Chiefs on the road. All right, we've talked about all these different keys to victory. We've looked at X factors, game planning. Now the real question is, do the Seahawks actually have a chance to win this football game on Christmas Eve? Game prediction time, Nick. Do the Seahawks get back in the win column, or are they under 500 for the first time since week five? 
Man, I just uh, this game could get weird. First of all, with the tundra conditions, the wind, <laughs> you might see the offenses get a little conservative. It's Christmas Eve now. Maybe one of the maybe the one NFL venue that is that is the same class as Lumen Field as far as volume and juice um, at, at Arrowhead Stadium. And it, you know, of course, with Mahomes and Reed at the helm, they're very very talented on offense. The place will have some serious juice, and I, I don't like that the Seahawks are without. Tyler Lockett, of course, but Ryan Neal and Al Woods, that really hurts. I don't like that they haven't really been able to run the ball effectively since before Thanksgiving. There's a clear talent gap there. You mentioned that the Chiefs are 28th in giveaways on offense, so they, they will be they will be generous. I think that the Seahawks have an opportunity there to create a turnover. And frankly, Pete Carroll's teams don't get blown out very often, and I'm not expecting a blowout per se. Um, there are some advantages in, in Seattle's uh, passing game that they have, um, but really I, I struggle to – you know, find a way where they can really take full advantage of that when they're playing basically at the North Pole. <laughs> um, so long story short, I think there's just too much juice in Kansas City's direction. They're at home after two lackluster road efforts. The over-under is at 49 right now. I think I last checked. I'm taking the under there. I think it might be a little bit uh, low scoring with the conditions. But I'm going to go uh, Kansas City Chiefs 27-17. I think the Seahawks keep it close for most of it. Chiefs get a late score. Um, but I, I do see a 10-point difference. I think there's going to be a little bit more offense than that. I don't know that it's going to necessarily be a shootout, but uh, I'm going to go 30 to 20 Chiefs. I just, I don't see any way that Seattle can, I mean, if Seattle runs the ball well, and that has, as you said, not happened since before Thanksgiving, it's been a long time since the Seahawks have had a game where they've really gotten their run game going, the injuries they're dealing with in the backfield, guys playing injured at under 100%. The run game just hasn't been able to get going. The blocking has been off. I just can't see them executing the recipe that they need to execute here to win on the road. I think that they're going to keep it tight because again, Pete Carroll's teams don't get blown out very often and they are going to be well-prepared. They have the extra time to prepare. I think Geno Smith's going to make the plays that he needs to taking advantage of the middle of the field, even without Tyler Lockett. I think Seattle's going to have some success on offense, but it's going to be a tougher day to put points on the board because of the weather. I just think the chiefs are the more talented football team on both sides of the ball and they've still got a lot to play for. I just can't see them folding in this one. So I'm going to go 30 to 20 and Seattle falls to seven and eight. Hopefully we're both wrong. Uh, lately our predictions have been swaying in the opposite direction. So maybe we can get some, uh, uh, some of that uh, juju going on here where, you know, both of us picked the Seahawks and they end up winning the game, uh, picked the Seahawks to lose and they end up winning the game. But, I guess we'll find out tomorrow when they battle the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51 Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up after the game, even though it's Christmas Eve, uh, you better believe that there's going to be a postcast coming your way. I'll have some game balls and much more coming your way. Hopefully, Watch out for Santa soon. on the way out there. <laughs> I'll be waving to Santa once uh, once the show gets over with. But anyway, yeah, we'll have our postcast. Uh, I may even have a special guest host. We'll see about that. Uh, the holidays present those opportunities. But we'll have that show coming tomorrow after the game. You'll want to tune in. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the holidays and your time with your family. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.